Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Podcast Daily. It is Monday, November 21st. It is the first day of game week in Columbus as Ohio State and Michigan are now officially on the clock. Mondays mean that Bill and I take a look back at the days gone by, the game that Ohio State <laughs> played. But we're not doing that this week. No, sir. No way. Because it doesn't matter. Because what does matter right now is Ohio State and Michigan. We have 11 games of competition that both teams have played to try to parse through what's real, what's not, what's important, what is just fluff, and how Ohio State and Michigan stack up for what should be one of the best games in the history of this you know, series, which is not one of the greatest rivalries in sports, Bill. It is the greatest rivalry in sports. And anybody who thinks differently should shut up because you're wrong. <laughs> Um, listen you'll you'll get no argument from me yeah this is this is everything's on the table for all the marbles the whole enchilada pick a pick a cliche it's real and it's magnificent spectacular um but again like i said we're not going to go back to maryland and and do the whole play-by-play thing like we've been doing all season long because this weekend is over and everyone has to now look ahead to saturday uh, november 26th high noon ohio stadium buckeyes wolverines as you have spent a couple hours now on Sunday evening, Bill, trying to dissect Michigan and, and dissect what they do and how it stacks up to Ohio State, what's your first thought? Well, I feel like it's it's been a common theme on many episodes of, of the podcast to like start with injuries. Um, and I don't want to do that necessarily, but it's really hard not to when Blake Corum is like the engine that makes Michigan go. Um, their offensive line is very good. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, I think, is a pretty good playmaker, perhaps a bit limited as a passer, but certainly dangerous. Um, there are players up and down that roster that should worry you, and I'm sure do worry Ohio State. But the guy who makes the entire operation go is Blake Corum, and we don't know if he's going to play on Saturday. And the reason I bring that up is because, obviously, it's important, but but I watched that play where he got hurt on Saturday actually standing on the field at Maryland as Ohio State was warming up, was watching it on my phone. And I saw the play, and I'm like, oh, it looked like he took a knee off the helmet. Um, probably stings. Nothing too serious. Michigan sort of acted as such after the game. Then I went back and watched it a couple more times on Sunday, and it looked a little more serious than that to me. It it, it did not look like a guy who got hit on the helmet. It, in fact, looked like a guy who maybe like Kuiper extended his knee a little bit um, in a way that, that did not look all that pleasant. So um, I'm not entirely sure what to make of that. I know there'll be gamesmanship all week, but um, I, I am feeling a little differently about just what kind of condition the most important player on Michigan's roster might be in when this game comes up on Saturday. Yeah, and I'm only going to speak anecdotally here. I did not get to see the play. I did watch a replay of it a couple times, as you have. But just knowing what the football means to running backs, if you – hurt yourself so significantly that you immediately drop the football because your knee just gets into such pain, that might be a a sign that something else is more serious. Quorum on Sunday did say he'll be there. He's not going to hint and say, I'm I'm not going to play. Of course, he's going to be there. Um, But I I think it is going to obviously be the storyline of the week because it's not just about Blake Quorum's injury. It's about Mayan Williams. It's about Travion Henderson. It's about whether or not Ohio State uh, decides to, to give the ball, you know, figuratively figuratively and literally to down Hayden as the starter uh, against the Wolverines. So obviously the the running back situation for both teams is now up in the air. Donovan Edwards missed the game uh, for Michigan against Illinois. He's been banged up. Uh, it, it is curious to see how these teams adapt. 
obviously Ohio State is better suited to play without their top running backs than Michigan is. And I think when you look at this season in Ann Arbor, what's fascinating to me is how Jim Harbaugh has completely reverted back to old Jim Harbaugh football now that Josh Gaddis is gone. And I thought that Michigan, for all of Josh Gaddis, all the smoke he gets around the country because of how bad Miami's been this year, I thought he did a nice job with Michigan getting the ball to other players in space a year ago. And I'm not going to say the speed and space thing or whatever. I'm not going to mock it. I, they were they were difficult at times to defend. And that was, I think, because Cade uh, McNamara had the ability to really distribute the ball where it needed to be on time. And we haven't seen J.J. McCarthy do that, especially in the last four weeks where he has really dropped off. I mean, he's played against Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Illinois, and is only completing uh, like – less than 50% of his passes in those games. And he has not turned the ball over, uh, which is the good news for Michigan. But you can see that this is a team that right now is not confident with him throwing the ball further than 10 yards down the field. He's averaging – and you take those games, and those are against four fairly bad teams. But then you look at the two games against the best defenses that I would say they've played, which is Penn State and Iowa, and he only averaged six yards per attempt in those games. So clearly there's some – holding back of the offense at this point with McCarthy in there. And it makes it all the more interesting to me that Harbaugh made it such a clear-cut decision to go to him after the second week of the season when they were playing against high school teams. <laughs> yeah, their their non-conference schedule uh, is terrible. Uh, in fact, I saw uh, some people tweeting about it on, on Saturday or Sunday that it's like the second-worst non-conference schedule in the country only to UCLA and those two teams were supposed to play each other this year and they didn't do yeah. it. Uh, and then ended up with with crappy non conference schedules. Um, the so I, I looked at the numbers from the Illinois game that uh, Michigan won on Saturday. Blake Corum had 109 rushing yards at the half. Uh, I think he came back in for one snap in the second half. In the second half, Michigan averaged 3.7 yards per play and 2.3 yards per rush. Uh, they also did not have Donovan Edwards in that game, as, as you mentioned. Um, so they were down their, into their depth pretty well at the running back position, and they just don't look to me like a team that's built to throw when it has to, um, which puts this game i think in an interesting light because who knows what ohio state's running situation is going to be as you said and if, if it comes down to both these teams are going to be forced to pass or or forced to lean on the pass maybe a little more certainly in michigan's case than it wants to um and maybe be a little less balanced than ohio state wants to uh, i have to think that that favors ohio state now michigan's pass defense if you look at the numbers is like bonkers good um they've not really played an offense slanted quite a bit that it, is skewed yeah, UConn had 24 passing yards <laughs> against them, which which definitely uh, skews the numbers. Um, but I was looking at some of their games, like Iowa, one of the worst passing offenses in the country, had its best passing day of the season against Michigan. And I was looking through some of that stuff, like Spencer Petras was hitting them on some play action plays, and it just made me think like there's for as good as Michigan's defense looks statistically, and I think you could probably say the same for Ohio State's. Yeah. Um, I think there are I think there are cracks there that have yet to be exposed by competent offenses, and I'm I'm wondering if Ohio State's positioning in this game offensively is perhaps a, a bit different, maybe or a bit better than maybe we're envisioning, uh, just based on what the raw stats tell you. Yeah, I think there's actually a lot of similarities between these two teams defensively right now because I don't think either one of them has played anyone particularly explosive on offense. Uh, but clearly the Ohio State 
cracks are much more visible and much more obvious because we've seen it play out in a handful of games where if if the quarterback has time to throw and push the ball down the field, the Ohio State cornerbacks have been lost. I wanted to look yeah. at Michigan against Maryland. I wanted to that was the game that kind of was interesting to me. Michigan only won that game 34 to 27 at home. It was a game that uh, Talia uh, Tonga Biola got hurt, uh, but he threw for 269 yards in that game. They actually had more first downs than Michigan in that game. Uh, they they really outplayed Michigan in that game, and there was a lot of similarities between that game against uh, Michigan for Maryland and Ohio State. Uh, Maryland out outgained Ohio State by one yard on Saturday. Um, you know, Ohio State gave up 402 to Maryland. Michigan gave up 397. So it's a lot of very similar things, especially considering it was in Ann Arbor. Talia got hurt in the in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter of that game, which is really what put started his downturn for the rest of the season. But I Michigan does not have a defensive star that really scares me if I'm Ohio State this season. Mike Morris, their their starting defensive end, another guy who did not play against Illinois, yep. leads the team with seven and a half sacks. He's a six foot six, two hundred and ninety pound dude. Like that's going to be a good matchup for Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones and a lot of, you know, you know, certain pass situations. But if he's not able to play, and I don't know what his situation is. I mean, we I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've intimately aware of Michigan's injury situation, but I don't see what we've seen, even in the couple of years where Ohio State was beating them soundly, where you had a couple like superstar type players on the defense. I don't see that right now, but they are solid. They are well coached. Michigan's only committed 45 uh, penalties all season long. Interestingly enough, their opponents have only been flagged for 41. So either these are, these are the cleanest games in, in, in college football or because it's just run, 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 there's less plays and nobody's getting called for holding on every play like they probably should. Ohio State's committed 60 penalties or six, and you know obviously at times plays a little sloppy. So sure. I think that's one area where I, I'd be a little bit concerned. Michigan is a bit more buttoned up and seems to be a touch more disciplined when it comes to you know, procedural stuff and, and Ohio State's been a little loose with that. Yeah, I think I think Michigan has a, a pretty good sense of like who it is and what it wants to do and does it very well. Um I I just don't know if if that I think that to its maximized version can beat Ohio State, but but if there's a little slippage anywhere, um I, I think Ohio State's talent is is a little too much for them to overcome. And and I was looking at some of the individual defensive stuff too, just to like kind of put put what this Michigan defense is in, into context or or at least the things that seem like they gave Ohio State fits last year, which I think mostly is pressure on the quarterback at times that Michigan was yeah. able to get last season. Um, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo had over 100 pressures last year. Aiden Hutchinson had 74 on his own, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, Mike Morris, their leading guy in pressures this year, only has 35. Um, and Jalen Harrell has 21. He's number two. So it is, it is not nearly the same kind of – um, relentless pass rush kind of defense. I think like collectively it's still pretty good. And I think their defensive line is good. And they have a true freshman, uh, Mason Graham, defensive tackle, who's played really well the last few yeah. weeks. Um, really good run stopper, which is interesting because Ohio State is probably going to be going into this game with a new starter at right guard, either either Enoch Umahi or, or Josh Fryer. And we'll try to get more information on that uh, later this week from Ryan Day if we can. But um, it's a really good front. It's just not. It seems to me like it's a it's a different front, like much different front than what Ohio State faced faced last year. Yeah, I mean, it's last year was more like take a shot and maybe give up a shot 
uh, because they had defensive ends that were so good, they very rarely gave up the shot. This year, they do seem to be a little bit more content playing that bend-don't-break style of defense. Uh, and in the back half, I think they're playing a little bit more man-to-man. They have eight interceptions as a team. Um, C.J. Stroud, at times this season, has been a little bit loose with the football, just kind of throwing yeah. it up for grabs. This is not the type of game where you can do that, and so you hope that C.J. is a little bit crisper in his decision-making, um, especially when there is pressure in his face, because I've noticed in the last few weeks, like, he has this tendency to roll out and then just kind of throw it up for grabs, and, and that is that's a bad idea. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I think this game comes down to who's able to keep the quarterback clean, uh, yeah. but also who's able to win the running battle. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan, throughout history, the team that runs the ball for more yards wins the game, and that is going to be magnified this week because of the fact that both teams have giant question marks now with their with their running game, and Ohio State has the question with the, the right guard position. Ohio State has been having questions all year or at least last five weeks about can they pick up the tough yards when they need it, and, and this is the type of game that you're probably going to need that. Yeah, it's, it's actually that some of the parallels are kind of crazy going in this game because um, not only are both teams – like wondering what their running back situation is going to be. Michigan also played without Trevor Keegan, who's a starting offensive lineman for them. Um, and I don't know what his status is either. Um, and Ohio State obviously is going to have at least one one new part on, on its offensive line. Um, it probably does. I, I think it, it comes down to rushing in the sense of like staying on schedule. Like I, I, I know that stat of who rushes more wins and, um, and maybe that very well may happen again. But at least for uh, the way that I look at it, it's it's – who can do the best job of avoiding like third and sevens and third and eights and third and nines. Cause I think Ohio state has fallen into that a little bit too much in the last few weeks. And, and it was better. It was marginally better in the second half against Maryland once Dallin Hayden got in there, but it still wasn't great. Um, and, and Ohio state just seems to, I don't know. I think it's a combination of inefficient rush, rushing and then pass plays that, that just seems like the degree, degree of difficulty sometimes is, is higher than it needs to be. And then they put themselves in really difficult situations trying to, to extend drives. If you look at their scoring drives lately, it's a lot of like we're, they're scoring on first and second down. If, if drives yeah. get the third down, they're, they're not staying on the field. They're having a hard time staying on the field. And, and Michigan's defense uh, is more than capable of getting you off the field on third down if you put yourself in those situations. So whoever the running back is for Ohio State needs to needs to help keep that offense in third and manageable, uh, or else it could be a difficult day for C.J. Stroud and those receivers trying to find space when it's, when it's third and long. That was the entire difference on Saturday against Maryland when Dallin Hayden was in the game. You don't have second and 11. You have second and six, second yeah. and seven, and the whole game changes at that point. For whatever reason, Travion Henderson's inability to get past the line of scrimmage before getting hit, whether that's on him, whether that's on the offensive line, whether that's a combination of both, whether he's hurt, whether he's not seeing the field, whether it's all that stuff jumbled together, it doesn't really matter. The difference is Dallin Hayden was in there seeing a hole and getting through it. And even if it was three yards, it's three yards is more than uh, negative two yards, uh, last I checked. And, and that means Ohio State can on second and seven, second and six, have a whole lot more things that they can do, which mm -hmm. makes C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day's offense extremely difficult. And you bring up their downs, both these teams, again, when you're looking at the, the comparison between Ohio State and Michigan, there's a lot of things that are very similar. They're yeah. both right at 47% on the season, uh, or, or right, you know, Ohio State's a little over 47%. Uh, Michigan's a little under 47% on completing uh, third downs uh, on offense. Both of them are right at 30% giving up on defense, so they're both taking care of business at that position. Both of them struggled to do that against Maryland. It's just one of those things where you you wonder, 
um, you know, are these two teams? I, I've actually thought for the last couple of years, if if people would really separate themselves from the hatred um, of, of the other program, you'd realize that there's a lot of things very similar about them and, and the way that they operate internally, the way that the culture that they want to bring, the, you know, the, the way they want to recruit players not, or people not players it's just a very similar program is what everyone just hates each other so much that now you're starting to see some of the the similar results on the field and uh it, it's it is interesting but to me that's why dallin hayden and the running game becomes so important because you have to do exactly what you just said make sure that you're staying ahead of schedule yeah, you, you and I were talking on the elevator in uh, the stadium of Maryland on Saturday about some offensive line stuff, and there were some some comments I think on on the board at OhioState.Rivals.com during the game about how how the offensive line wasn't playing well. I, I don't think the offensive line had a, had a good first half against Maryland, but I, but I think the problem with playing a guy like Travion Henderson or even playing a Mayan Williams when he's not one hundred percent healthy is that it requires the offensive line to be perfect and they're just not going to be perfect on every play. Cause you've seen like if, if they can block it, right? Like Travion Henderson's long touchdown run against Penn state block perfectly. No one touched him. He ran whatever it was, 50 yards for the touchdown. He can still do that stuff. But when the initial hole's not there or the play develops a little differently and he's got to make that cut I, right now, I just don't think he or Mayan Williams are comfortable doing that. Mayan's probably a little more comfortable or at least was before his most recent injury. Meanwhile, Dallin Hayden just like does it. So it just, it, it decreases or it increases, I guess, your margin for error with the offensive line, who's not going to be, which is not going to be perfect on every single play. And I don't think you want to live in a world where everything has to be blocked perfectly every time you snap the ball for you to have a successful play. So, so Mayan Williams I help, helps eliminate that element for them a little bit. Yeah, it, or excuse I, me, Dallin Hayden. Right. This game traditionally over the years, especially when Michigan has been less talented than Ohio State, uh, and they still are. I mean, if you look at just the blue chip ratio and that kind of stuff, obviously Ohio State has a, a more complete roster than the Michigan. Michigan is built to play exactly the style of play they want, which I guess is what's important. Um, but Michigan generally finds ways to try to do some trickeration, and, and that's one of the things I think you have to look for this week because you're going to be so amped up and so emotional. Ohio State has to do a very good job of maintaining their lanes. If Blake Corum's playing, that's where he kills you, really. Michigan does a nice job of of getting pressure, you know, a push up front, but then Corum is great at cutting back against that and, and taking it the other way. Stuff like you know, uh, throwbacks on kickoffs, double reverse passes, that kind of stuff. Michigan is going to try some of that this week. And Ohio State's defense at times can be a little bit undisciplined and, and play mm -hmm. a little bit, uh, you know, ahead of their skis. And I think that's something you have to watch for, especially early in this game, as Michigan's going to try to take the crowd out of the game, um, you know, as soon as they can. So one player that I, I'm really interested to see or as this week goes along and figure out maybe a little bit more as to why Michigan has not utilized him this year is AJ Henning, the wide receiver who is a really talented, you know, speedy uh, outside receiver. He he's not been very involved in their offense. And I don't know if that's just an AJ or if that's just a, a JJ McCarthy thing, but it seems like the only receiver they're comfortable throwing to is Ronnie Bell. So you'd expect to see Cam Brown locked up on him most of the day, but besides Ronnie Bell, Michigan's passing game is almost entirely tight ends and running backs. And then it's, you know, how do you, how are they going to try to mix in some of these other players uh, to, to kind of catch Ohio state off guard or to keep, keep them, you know, running one way while Michigan's running the other. That's going to be something I, I think Ohio State's going to have to be very aware of.
Yeah, Luke Schoonmaker, their tight end, did not play against Illinois also, but I, I believe he dressed. Um, Henning, I don't know. I, th- Henning, I was looking at some injury reports stuff, and like Henning's name is on there, but I don't know what, what's happened with him. Um, but even when he has been available, it doesn't seem like he's been a tremendously um, vital part of, of the passing attack. It has been a lot of Ronnie Bell, a lot of passing out of the backfield. Um, that that would I mean, Henning has me. six catches on the season. Yeah, right. Um, the But the throwing – Maybe less so the tight ends because we've seen some teams that want to throw the ball to the tight end against Ohio State this year. And Ohio State's done a nice job against that, like Notre Dame, um, Iowa, Wisconsin. Like they, they held their own there. Um, we've not seen a lot of throw the ball to the running back kind of stuff, um, stuff that would put like a Steel Chambers in a position to have to cover. Not to say that Steel can't do it. I just don't think he's had to do a whole lot of it. Um, that would worry me a little bit. Uh, or, yeah, we or, saw Maryland do that a little bit, and that was a problem yeah. for Ohio State. Yeah, and and Maryland also like the. I guess until the third quarter when it felt like Ohio State was like trying to call the dogs off a little early and then kind of got burned for it, really the only way that Maryland was moving the ball in Ohio State's defense was via misdirection, and they did quite a bit of it. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it did it, but that was really their only effective play was a lot of motions, a lot of like boots and play actions and stuff. So I, I would think that Michigan would want to do some of the same. I think some of that's already naturally kind of built into their offense anyway, so I don't think it would be out of character for them. But, yeah, it's like discipline and tackling for Ohio State's defense because I'm not – Blake Horm's really good. Ohio State's run defense has been has been pretty solid this year. Like no one has really moved the ball on them consistently running the ball. Now, granted, they've not seen a rushing attack like this, so I'm not saying like don't worry about it. They're going to stop Michigan yeah. too. I'm I'm much more concerned about Ohio State's ability to tackle in space and cover on plays that require discipline than I am them stopping the run in this game. Yeah, I sort of sounded the alarm on my concern about JJ McCarthy and his scrambling ability all the way back when Ohio State was playing Toledo and, and the way that Daquan Finn was able to get out of the pocket and just kind of make things happen. We saw it a little bit at Northwestern. We saw it against Talia on Saturday. Like When that quarterback breaks, breaks out of the pocket, the Ohio State defensive linemen seem like they're on skates most of the season, and I'm not entirely sure why. It's been great to watch Jack Sawyer sort of dial it back a little bit the last few weeks and, and sort of rein in his, um, you know, craziness i guess is <laughs> uh, which is ironic since jim Knowles last week said he wants jack to yeah. be more reckless but i think there's a, a fine line between being reckless and playing under control uh and you have to sort of walk that and when you're playing against a player like mccarthy the way that he's going to be best um utilized and most effective against ohio state is on those broken plays that's where the yardage is going to be found I think uh, against the Ohio state defense. And that's why Jim Knowles has talked all year long. Like they know they're going to give up some big plays. The question is how many do you give up and do big plays lead to touchdowns on the back end or, or, you know, what Ohio state's done a nice job of this year is even when they've given up 40 yard pass plays, not many of them have found the end zone on the pass play. So the Buckeyes have at least had a chance to regroup and then, and then, you know, uh, stiffen up a little bit against the the red zone offenses so uh, I just think that that's where I'm concerned and I, I've said it for weeks I think the the passing out of the backfield if Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are healthy that's where JJ McCarthy has the opportunity to make plays against Ohio State and so the balance here is that you expect the Buckeyes will play a lot of Cody Simon because you're expecting Michigan to run the ball a lot and he is certainly not as adept at being a, a guy in pass coverage so as another safety would be. So I, I just don't know where Ohio State goes if misses the game where you put Josh Proctor in more often and let him sort yeah. of play in that box safety role um, and keep that uh, flexibility out there. But 
It, that is the matchup to me that is the most concerning. Do you think, like, what 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 would you say the percentage chances of seeing a, like Sunny Styles in this game? I just don't think you put guys out there that haven't made plays in this situation. I just think the, yeah. the energy is too different. And this is something that I don't, you know, maybe this might be going off on a tangent a bit, but I don't think guys who've not played in this game can understand how different this game is. And, and until you've played in it, until you've hit somebody in this game and realized that, like, when you play Maryland, you're tackling people because it's your job. When you're playing in this game and you're running down the field on kickoff, on the opening kickoff, that guy who you're running into is trying to hurt you. Uh, it mm. is different. It's not a guy trying to just hold you up while a guy calls a fair catch. Even if someone calls a fair catch in this game, they're going to get hit. And, and it is it, yeah. a different It's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. And I don't think you want to put someone out there that hasn't been in this situation. I, I do understand from a, a talent perspective and a matchup perspective why that would be um, probably worth looking into. But I think you have to hope that Josh Proctor and all of his experience and similar traits uh, can can be used in that spot instead. I think I think they could, and and your point I think I think is a good one. Like this is this is very much a different animal, which gave me a little bit of pause when I was rating on on Sunday about Dallin Hayden because, and and maybe it doesn't matter because it's like a pure health thing. Like he's just healthier than the other guys who, are, yeah. who could potentially be available. But it's for as well as he's handled every spot that he's been put into so far. This would be a very different thing for him to be the lead back in in the Ohio State Michigan game, uh, unbeaten versus unbeaten with playoff and narrative dripping all over this thing. Like, I I could see why maybe you'd want to shield a true freshman from that a little bit, but I think I think at the end of the day you want to you want to play whatever you think is the most advantageous matchup for you. So, um, yeah. I think in Dallin Hayden's case that would make sense, but perhaps not in a guy like Sonny Styles' case because you do have a Josh Proctor who's a very similar athlete. Yeah, I mean, and you don't know what the situation is. I mean, Lathan Ransom, obviously, he, he broke his thumb on Saturday against Maryland. Um, he did that on the first play of the game. That probably hurt a lot, but it probably didn't hurt as much because the adrenaline's going and you're in the game. I bet his thumb is hurting a lot more today uh, than yeah. it was on Saturday. And so you have all these little moving parts for Ohio State, and all these little nagging injuries that you're going to have to make some decisions based on that. I think... You know, if you look at Tanner McAllister, and I know people are going to say I'm, you know, a homer for Cam Martinez, but <laughs> if your idea is to match up Tanner McAllister on Donovan Edwards out of the backfield, I don't think that's going to be a great idea, generally speaking. Um, he has shown the ability to tackle pretty well and, and did a nice job with that on Saturday especially, but I, I just wonder if you need to have guys who are a touch more quick in that spot. Um, and so that's why, even though you think that Cody Simon should be on the field a lot this game, that's why I think someone like Josh Proctor and the ability to do multiple things may be more required. And obviously it's only Monday. Uh, there are five days ahead where, where all of these things are going to be parsed out. So there's going to be plenty of time to talk it out and, and try to get a feel for what Ohio State's thinking on Tuesday when we talk to Ryan Day and Jim Knowles. But this game, you know, it, it's always said that styles make fights and, that's not going to be sunny styles. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's uh first, uh, first nice word play of the week for you there. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're trying to get ready for the big game. If, if you're Michigan and you're coming into this game and you've watched Ohio state in the last four weeks, what do you think is your best chance to beat them? 
man. Um, I, I don't think I would have said this first half of the season, but I something is – I don't want to say like off because that feels too strong, but the way that C.J. Stroud um, is handling pressure right now just seems a little too kind of um, – I don't know what the right word is. People always say laissez-faire, but I think that's actually not the right way to use it, but I'll use it because I can't think of a better word. Um, but I think people know what that means. Um, like just not good mechanically when when pressure comes and it's leading to high throws, missed throws, throws that frankly should be intercepted. He has a lot of, of passes this year that should have been intercepted that won't that weren't. Um, and it seems like it's increasing by the week here over the last few weeks. And he's he's an incredible quarterback. Like when when his feet are set and he knows where the ball is going, he can throw it better than anybody in the country. But I think there are times where he's a little too confident in that and tries to do things that he shouldn't do. So if I'm Michigan, I try to put him in those spots and see how he reacts. And um, I don't know off the top of my head how much Michigan blitzes. Um, I would imagine they're going to have some stuff pressure wise from from Jesse Minter, their coordinator, that they have not done yet this year. Just as Ohio State will have for them. Um, and, and how C.J. Stroud handles pressure on him and having to create plays on the move, whether that's running or throwing the ball away or throwing on the run, uh, I think maybe could make or break this game because I would say his decision-making has not always been on point in those moments the last few weeks. Yeah, it's weird because it's not like he's hurrying or, or um, looking panicked. What it looks like he's doing is when he's getting pressured, he's not staying like mechanically sound, mm-hmm. and he's like trying to just be – lackadaisical or or flippant or just kind of being too pretty with it like rather than just doing what you have to do and we saw that a couple times yeah Yeah. we saw that a couple times on saturday where it's just the ball i mean even on the the fourth down and one play where they tried where he had to roll out when he had pressure up the middle and he came back to marvin on that comeback like he threw it in the dirt The, the the ball um, a couple, two series later, on Emeka Buka had to make the catch on third and eight, threw it right at the at his feet. I mean, the, these are throws that normally CJ makes, and we've seen it a few times earlier this year where it's like he's trusting his arm strength so much that he's not doing the the things that he needs to do to make sure his arm strength is maximized, and it's coming up a little short. So it's a little bit um, unfortunate just seeing how that plays out. But uh, at this juncture, there's not a whole lot you can really do about it other than just know it's there and then work on 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 improving uh heading into this these next couple of days yeah listen he's had some really nice moments of of creating outside of structure and and when pressured as well so like i don't, I don't want to make it sound like he's been terrible at it all year um i don't think he's really been terrible at it at any stretch this year but but it, it seems like it's maybe trending a bit in the wrong direction right now and but maybe part of that too might be i think sometimes the 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 type of game factors into that like cj will try stuff in, in games for sure yeah um and and granted the maryland game was a little closer in the end but there was a juncture in that game where it did feel like ohio state was beginning to pull away and that's when it felt like cj got a little loosey-goosey at times um so maybe in a game like this where the stakes are much higher um he'll be less likely to try to do some stuff like that. But even with that said, I still um, his, his numbers facing pressure this year are, 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 I I think are not tremendous. And just like from the eye test alone, um, it doesn't look like he's handling it all that well. So that's what I would try to do if I were Michigan. Yeah. I mean, there, there's going to be a whole lot of stuff to dissect about this game and Bill, we could probably talk about it a lot more today, but that's not what we're going to do. We're going to dial it back, take a deep breath. We're going to go eat some roosters, uh, and mm-hmm. have the live show over there on Olentangy River Road this morning. 
Uh, we will have a lot of stuff on Tuesday afternoon from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center as we normally do. That will be the only media availability this week for the Buckeyes as Thanksgiving intercedes with the game. And um, a whole lot of attention will be paid to Ohio State and Michigan on Saturday. A lot of it will be done here on the podcast. We'll also be talking about it quite a bit at ohiostate.rivals.com. So please, uh, if you feel like joining us over there, you can use promo code DTE30 when you sign up to get a free month. and. Uh, chat with myself, Bill, Austin, and the rest of the community over there on the Rivals.com network, and we appreciate it. That's all I got for today, Bill. Anything else for you? Nope. I'm excited for the game. whole lot of talking coming, so we'll, we'll get more to that later in the week. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Bill Landis. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, turn on your notifications so you know when you get more of the podcast content, and we'll try to do our best to keep delivering it for you as we have all season long. Thanks, thanks again. See ya.